Hello, and welcome to the Podcast of Power, a She-Ra and the Princesses of Power companion podcast. I am one of your hosts, Nero. And I'm the other host, Jane. And this week, we're talking about Season 4, Episode 6, uh, Princess Scorpia. Very normal episode. Um, oh yeah, the most normal episode. It doesn't get, like, emotionally uh, heavy at all. No, so... Season four, you know, one of the things I really do like about it is that every episode seems to make space for its side characters to really shine. Last week uh, with Protocol, we got that with the Horde Cadets and Light Hope. And this week we're getting a Scorpia episode, the Scorpia episode, some might say. Yes, this is like uh, a very, very definitive moment in Scorpia's arc, really kind of the apex of it, I think. And it's really good. It's, it is a great, great episode, but... Uh, this episode also has a B-plot, and because of the way this one is structured, where everything is uh, weaved together a uh, little bit too interspatially, so we're, we're going we're gonna to do the B-plot first, and then we'll really dig into, uh, into Scorpia's situation here. Yeah, the, the, it's not just Scorpia, as far as what the, the title might tell you. There is other stuff going on here. Uh, specifically, what is going on is that yeah, the Best Friends Squad is out. Uh, at some kind of horde outpost doing stuff. So, Glimmer has seemingly invited herself onto this mission, um, uh, which Adora is very not, not happy about, as they are kind of arguing, while at the same time completely mopping the floor with these horde guys. So, this uh, there's a lot of just horde soldiers getting tossed around like ragdolls in this episode, and it's all very funny. Oh no, yeah, like, literally, <laughs> these guys are getting, like, grand slammed. These, these these dudes are getting tossed, like, 75 feet into the air and a thousand feet backwards, and Glimmer has to be on, okay, Adora, don't kill people duty by catching them out of the air and then just putting them on the ground. <laughs> yeah, she hits this guy like a softball and he just goes soaring into the sky. Um, there's a really great just metal clang noise as she yeets him with her sword and you know a glimmer eventually goes to chase down one of these horde soldiers and, and starts to do a, a rune that shadow weaver taught her but you know it fizzles out um and, and adora comes in to save her and they you know the the basic gist of this is that adora and glimmer are at odds here um as as they have sort of been building up to this whole season with Bo kind of being the only person who's who's attempting to keep all of this from completely falling apart. Yeah, so like Double Trouble is doing their absolute best, of course, as Flutterina. Hey, why did they bring the twelve year old on this mission? Yeah, what this is not like a scouting mission. <laughs> this or is like an active combat scenario. And they brought like they, they brought the baby with them. I I just don't think that's a very good idea. Yeah, listen, listen, Glimmer. I know you're going through some through some stuff right now, and you're going through some stuff. Child soldiers not a good idea. Like just historically, not a great plan. No. But uh, <laughs> but so so yeah. So Double Trouble is doing their absolute best to drive a stake between Glimmer and Adora. Is really like trying to get under their skin. You know, goes up to to Glimmer after she isn't able to like get the rune to go off and Adora like uh comes in at the last second and kind of lassos the guy before he tackles her and you know double trouble's like oh well 
you know, your your cool magic trick would have been really cool if it worked, but your strength lies in teamwork, and it's so cool how good of friends you are with Adora letting her order you around and everything, and it's like, if, if they were... If Adora and Glimmer weren't so engrossed in their own inner worlds right now, I feel like it's the most obvious manipulation in the entire universe, but like... Yeah, they are, uh, they aren't really paying attention to what Flutterina really has to say. Like, they, she just, they, they just kind of keep her around, I guess, but obviously Double Trouble is, like, uh, getting, worming their way in between these two, um, and saying very suspicious things, uh, as the characters are just out of earshot, such as, like, lambs to the slaughter, which, I mean, <laughs> please don't let anyone hear you say that, DT, I mean, that's... That's pretty yeah, suspicious. Like, like literally, they'll say this. Like the the principal characters will walk off screen, and the second that they are not visible in frame, they will say this stuff, and it's just like <laughs> Glimmer just turns around, and it's like, oh, "What was that?" She's like, "Nothing, nothing." Huh? What'd you say? What was uh, that, Flutterina? That lambs. <laughs> um. So the next time we see them, they're they're still doing this outpost stuff. Um. This this is this is a great sequence for a lot of reasons. So the one, uh, a few things. One, season four in general looks really good. I, I think overall. Oh yeah, for there sure. There have been a lot of great looking uh, sequences of character animation and action animation, uh, kind of setting it apart from a lot of like season two and three, which had kind of had a, a little bit of an unsteady uh, grasp on that stuff. But uh, you know, we all because we get Adora like. <laughs> pulverizing this man's bones by chucking him into this uh steel pipe hard enough to leave a man-shaped comedy dent in it oh no yeah like and and honestly even just the fight uh in general is like it's really well choreographed it feels like it flows really well and uh, the thing about this fight in particular that's really good is that this is a fight against the actual horde soldiers at this outpost obviously but uh more importantly this is also just like an active argument between Adora and Glimmer. Yeah, so like the the combat kind of takes a back seat. Like it's almost all muscle memory for them as they are just kind of styling on these guys while going through this argument with each other about like, you know, you I'm the queen, you're not supposed to be telling me what to do. And Adora's like, well, you're not supposed to be here at all. I don't know, I don't understand like what what your deal is right now. And personally, if I was one of these random horde soldiers, this would be cause enough for me to just quit. Like, <laughs> I'm out here fighting, and they literally aren't even paying attention to me. Like, they, they barely know I exist, and they're just working through their own personal problems on the battlefield. Yeah, like, at a certain point, it's just like, alright, I'm going home. See you later. <laughs> I don't care if they brand me a traitor or a deserter or whatever. I'm out. Like this is this I don't get paid enough for any of this nonsense. I don't get paid at all. Yeah, right. God. Uh <laughs> but this whole time uh that this argument's going on, you know, DT's in the rafters somewhere and just like, "Ah, yes. All according to plan." And they're just like kind of just just luxuriating in the chaos, but uh but then Bo shows up and Bo unfortunately for Double Trouble, is the only emotionally competent character in the program. Um, and he decides, hey, wait, um, y'all are having an issue? 
we should talk this out right now. <laughs> yeah, right now. Let's. We're not doing anything important. Um, we just got to take some time here to work this out. You know, like can can we can we lay out our problems with each other clearly? Glimmer, how about you say that in a more constructive way? Like <laughs> Use I statements. Yeah, like he's he's going through the whole thing, um, and this is of course very irritating to Double Trouble. Someone needs to pay Bo for all these therapy sessions he's giving out for free. Honestly, he's he's the only one who's any good at it. Um, so, as Bo is trying to defuse the situation and get Adora and Glimmer to talk frankly with one another about their problems, DT decides it's probably time to refocus their attention and goes to uh, to some Horde soldiers to to try and and rustle up a distraction. Yes, and it goes really really funnily. So like they basically run up to these two goons who are like. I think actively running away. Yeah, they're backing up. They're like they're 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 gonna do the thing I was suggesting. They're out of here. Like they just watched all of their squad mates get completely demolished by these two women who are arguing in the middle of the whole thing, like they're just at lunch. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so. So these two are trying to get out of here, and this like like friggin' seven year old shows up and then jumps into one of their arms and starts screaming help. <laughs> And these super powered, like, people turn around and look at you. And what are you going to do? And just like, like, put her down. And you're like, oh, yes, absolutely. You got it. And (laughs) (laughs) just drop uh, DT, who has to, like, whisper to the guy, just play along. I'm on your side. Come on. Give me something to work with here. And these goons do not want to play along because they know what happens if they do. Yep. So they're just kind of half-heartedly acting through this hostage situation. Yeah, kind of actively being puppeted by DT, kind of moving their arms around. Yeah, like literally redirecting their taser guns to point at them. Um, it's pretty God. funny. It's amazing. So of course, this is this is the bit where you know Adora's like, okay, we can't we can't risk hitting Florina. We have to think, how are we gonna do this? And Glimmer's like, okay, we're we can't wait around. Somebody has to do something. And so obviously that has to be her. So she uses some kind of uh rune to sort of levitate these two guys up in the air a bit, uh release Flutterina, and then she takes one of them and teleports him off somewhere and throws him into a wall, and she decides that this is when she's gonna figure out just what the hell is actually going on here and her methodology well is (laughs) so she pulls up the truth spell rune we've seen this before micah does it in the portal reality and she's like i've been working on this rune uh if it works it's a truth spell that will compel you to tell me everything you know but if it goes wrong well then it's extremely painful and i have i'm not i don't know if i really have the hang of it yet so how about you just tell me what you know um, and this poor horde soldier is just begging. <laughs> he's like, I, I, "Please, I don't know anything." Yeah, he's uh, he's like he's like, "Listen, Katra took all of our guys away. She has us on skeleton crews. We don't know why. Please, I don't know anything more. Don't hurt me." And Glimmer just keeps pushing and pushing, and she's she's getting like a little a little bit dark with it. Like she. When when uh, when Adora and Bo kind of step in to like stop her and tell her she's gone too far, she's like, 
you you don't honestly believe I would have actually done something. But like the thing is, she was getting she was getting a little bit out of control. Like I don't necessarily think that Glimmer would have gone all the way, but she was getting out of hand. And I think like this is this is she's starting to get a little bit too focused on the actual like mechanics of of war versus like not torturing like, people d- not torturing people uh you know and, and one of the big points of contention between her and adora is obviously that shadow weaver has been teaching her magic and i'm sure that doesn't help matters shadow weaver famously a big fan of torture did it to glimmer in season one but you know glimmer is so incredibly focused on just ending this war like it, it, she has always been very impatient and and sort of headstrong which was fine when she was not in charge of the whole thing but now here she is like throwing herself fully into this battle and like coming along for uh, combat missions she doesn't need to be on and threatening very painful magic on people She's kind of losing it. She is. And in her mind, of course, she doesn't see the problem. She wasn't really going to hurt him. You know, the truth spell doesn't actually hurt people when you use it. You know, all this stuff. But it's a saying for a reason. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. And uh, unfortunately, you know, winning the war at any cost when, you know, you are nominally the good guys is good intentions but you can very easily start doing war crimes and well yeah and that's yeah it's it's uh it's a slippery slope it's the slipperiest of slopes and obviously adora is uh is not a very big fan of this and they kind of end very much back where they started at complete odds and of course dt couldn't be more thrilled about this oh yes no they are once again luxuriating in their uh in 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 their work in their craft their their they even they even go and scene like <laughs> it's really good so that's that's where the b plot kind of ends it's pretty short it's about it's it's sprinkled in about three to four minute bursts every so often but the main concern of this episode is in the fright zone obviously with our titular Scorpia. So the episode starts with her uh, waking up and going through her morning routine. Yes, her morning routine and the morning repression of all of her problems. So, you know, she she kind of has like a little mental checklist. She goes over like, you know, uh, you know, ready to go, have a big smile for the day, check and all kinds of stuff. And one of the one of the very important uh, things here is uh, push down all of my insecurities and problems. Check. <laughs> yep, just just bottle it all up in there. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. If you don't think about it, it doesn't exist. Um, and she, she goes out. She's got a big old smile on her face, ready to tackle the day. And then the Freud Zone is just in complete chaos as they are in full prep mode for whatever Catra's plan is. Oh no, yeah, but everyone's running around, there's explosions happening, she's just like, I bet today's gonna be a great day, and, well. <laughs> you got a Wilhelm uh, scream in there, gotta fit one in there and everything, um, I believe that's the first one. Oh, naturally. So yeah, then we cut to Katra, who is uh, checking in with Hordak on, uh, or no, it's, it's Hordak actually checking in with Katra, which is an interesting 
the reversal of their usual dynamic here. Catra is standing in front of this like big multi-monitor display, uh, and Hordak's like, "All right, listen, I need Entrapta's notes. I'm trying to work on this stuff. Like, yeah, you 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 pulled all of our troops away from our outposts, so you can work on this plan." but I need more time. Yeah. Uh, importantly, this is another scene in which uh, Catra and Hordak's like, strategies kind of butt heads with each other. Like, clearly Hordak is on board with this plan of hers, this nebulous plan, but like he does not like the fact that they are, you know, losing territory, that they're specifically like sacrificing Horde assets in order to pull off some grander scheme. To him... Victory has always been you put the Horde flag above the most outposts on your little holographic map, and that means you're winning. If you control the most territory, that means you have the upper hand. Um, Catra clearly doesn't care about these outposts at all. She thinks they're completely useless, and she's focused on some other goal. She's focused on the on the grand dramatic swing. Yes. And so there there is a moment where where she, like... When Hordak asks her why they're doing this, um, she has she like has a sort of exasperated laugh and just kind of swipes her hand down her face in a very good moment of character animation. Yeah, no, she's just really irritated. She's like, "Oh my god, do I have to friggin' explain this again to you?" Like, <laughs> this is this this scene is is good because this I feel like this is the bit where where the switch has really flipped for sure. Like, Katra is in charge. She is the one controlling the Horde right now. Hordak is not Hordak anymore. No. He's important. Whatever his weapon he's building is very important to her plan, but he is not the one, like, calling the shots anymore in any way. No, yeah. He thinks he is. You know, he still, like, acts like he's in charge. But Katra is giving the orders, and he's following them. Like, he might not be happy about it, but he's following the orders. And... You know, he's not super happy with this turn of events. No, nor is he happy about, like, needing Entrapta's notes. It's very clear that all of this is uh, very much a raw nerve. Um, Catra is convinced he doesn't need Entrapta's notes. She's just a traitor, um, which she knows is not the, the truth. And there is a moment here where he's talking about, you know, well, I'm... I'm yeah, she was. Yeah, she's a traitor, but she's also like the most brilliant mind on the planet. I need her work so I can destroy every princess on Etheria, and we'd be welcomed back at Horde Prime's side, glorious, uh, you know, wrapped in glory. And there's just a moment where Catra kind of looks down away from him in a very uncomfortable manner, maybe because she's thinking about how all of this is predicated on an extremely rickety lie. Or that this is all getting a bit too real for her with Hordak. Uh, it's like, uh-oh, I'm finding this guy relatable. That's probably bad. Yeah, or another angle, of course, is that perhaps, you know, winning and getting Hordak in with his, his big brother and, you know, suddenly having, like, both of them being in charge over her again... I don't know that she actually wants that. I, I think she's having a moment where she's like, oh, I guess that's really not what I want to have happen. Yeah. So then we see Scorpio walking down the hallway with a, uh, a little cup of tea, accompanied by Emily, 
who's kind of fooling around. And I think Emily throughout this episode is trying to convince Scorpia to stop spending so much time and effort on Catra. Um, someone who clearly doesn't value her at all, treats her like garbage. But Scorpia is convinced that Catra still just needs her around and, and values her input. She Earlier in the episode, she's like, well, yeah, she said she, we weren't friends anymore, but I mean, I must have misheard her. Like, there was a lot going on. Some big cannons. Big cannons, yeah. It's, it's She couldn't possibly not be my friend. So, the tea scene, I really, really like the tea scene. The, it's, the, the, thing, the thing with the tea scene is, it's like, Scor- Scorpio's, Scorpio walks in with the tea, and she's like, okay, I made, like, my famous tea... This is gonna this is gonna really calm her down. She's gonna she's gonna really appreciate this gesture I'm doing for her. Everything's gonna be great. You know, she's gonna we're gonna have a, a best friend interaction. You know, everything's gonna go back to the way it used to be. It's all gonna be normal again. And she's so convinced of this. But Katra comes up, she's irritated, she is entirely work focused, she is dismissive and rude and mean and she doesn't care she's like i have a job for you go do it find entrapper's recordings i don't care how how it gets done just get it done and scorpia's trying her her best she's really trying to be a good friend and you know she's like hey i I made you some tea and you know despite despite everything Katra still takes the tea, still drinks it, and still visibly enjoys it. Doesn't thank her, just is like, get back to work. And this is just like a really, like, it's it's a microcosm of the way that Katra, like, treats people in, in, in the show here. She's like, she will take any kindness, any, like, positive energy that is being directed at her. She will take it. She will absolutely take it in fact if you don't give it to her she's going to feel even more uh annoyed and angry and hurt by you but she's never going to reciprocate it she's not giving you a cup of tea in return she's not going to even thank you for giving her that cup of tea you know she's going to scream at you to get back to work but she's still going to take it yeah that's uh, pretty much it. it is a microcosm of their kind of arc and relationship as as the uh as the whole series has gone on Katra is drawn so exhausted in this episode um and not just in the very funny like you know extremely exaggerated sleep deprived eyes image that is our current icon no like in every shot she always has these bags drawn under her eyes there's like lines around her face she is uh working herself to death oh yes she is she is having a really just bad time and like uh in in the in the previous scene with her and 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 hordak right like she she she's like listen this is all in service of the plan we do the plan it will all have been worth it and it's like she she is running herself ragged she is expending every bit of energy and time and attention on this grand scheme of hers thinking that as if she just pulls this off everything that happened will have been worth it all of the suffering and pain that she put everyone else through and all the suffering pain that she's been through all of it will have been worth it and she will finally won but uh um 
that's not true. Uh, probably. Um, <laughs> anyway, Scorpia is in Entrapta's room, and she's looking for recordings. She there's just a whole lot of junk. She finds an old photo of Intra uh, of the Super Pal Trio on the Gamer Girl couch, um, and it is wistful. I really like the detail of her like sort of putting her head on the floor to look under the couch and when she brings it back up her her hair is kind of floppy and all of the poof has gone out of it because she just like rubbed it against the floor oh yeah it's really good like there's, there's a lot of cute little details in this episode actually like the uh the animation work and like the character drawing is is pretty is pretty top-notch um but uh before we get to sort of the conclusion she comes to after finding uh this fun picture there is actually one scene right before this where um after after the uh the tea encounter you have uh scorpia is is uh outside she she walks outside and she uh runs into the cadet squad who are loading a bunch of crates and uh she is like oh hey you know you you guys are working on a mission i'm working on a secret mission for catra it's all going to be great um Lonnie has a few things to say about that, though. Yeah, yeah Lonnie is not. Uh, she's she's once again the the kind of voice of the of the random goons in the horde here. She's like, oh, you're working on a secret mission for Catra, huh? Well, how about you tell her to stop like sending our guys out to get beaten to hell out on the northern perimeter, where she's just pulling everybody back, leaving decoy crews to just get completely demolished, like. And Scorpio's like, well, uh, it's, it's all for some purpose. Everything is for the betterment of the Horde, right? And, and Lonnie's like, well, okay, sure, whatever. I don't buy that. Yeah, she's literally just like, wake up. Like, when are you going to get it? She doesn't care about any of us. We are expendable. It, none of it matters. And, you know, Scorpia's like, that can't be true. She, Of course she cares. It's, it's fine. It all has to be worth it, right? And... And of course, she's not really paying attention. She's like actually actively undoing the work that all of them were doing, like loading this truck. And and Lonnie is just like, listen, Scorpia, just go away. Like you're not helping anything. You 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 got Rogelio stuck under a box. <laughs> she pins him under a crate. Someone help him. <laughs> I think Kyle is like trying to help him in the background, but Kyle is too tiny. He can't. Someone do competent help him. <laughs> Um, yeah, but she, you know, she, Lonnie just kind of gets fed up and says, we've got real work to do. Really just, it's, everyone else can see that Catcher is just this horrible despot who doesn't care about any of them right now. Um, and Scorpio is the only one who's still trying to convince herself more than anything that, you know, just like Catcher, convince herself that all this will be worth it. If she can just keep get, get, getting back into Catcher's good graces that it'll all be back to normal. Yeah, she she is desperately trying to go back to a time that really never actually existed. Like she's she's really convinced herself that like old Catra was so great, but you know, was she? Cuz after she finds the uh the little picture underneath the couch, she tries to think like entrapta to try and figure out where those recordings might be she uh she's like she she goes through all the things that entrapta likes the hordak tiny food robots um gems and she, and she or runestones and she comes to the conclusion oh let's look in the black garnet chamber 
which has apparently gone uh, unused since the end of season one, which I guess makes sense. Like, Shadow Weaver's gone. Uh, the Black Garnet got shut down. So, like, there's no real reason to keep anything in there. It's all dusty. And Scorpia is like, ah, I remember all the good times in this place. Like, when Shadow Weaver tried to kill us and when Entrapta hacked the Black Garnet chamber. Uh, good times. And, you know, the, w- when... Um, when when she finds that uh picture and when when emily later projects the hollow message onto the wall it is we do see very clearly like like yeah no catra was always like grouchy and and not down for any of their stuff she was never like friendly with any of them at all which like scorpia has has kind of somehow convinced herself was it was not the case and she kind of watches this this old uh, data track that that Entrapta recorded and put in Emily R2D2 style uh, right before they left for the the snows back in season two and just is, is very sort of sad about Entrapta being missing again. Yeah, and uh, what what also is important to note in this in this scene is she kind of has a moment where she sees her reflection in the black garnet and just sort of thinks about like you know she's a princess she nominally has a connection to the black garnet like the the horde moved in and she never really had an opportunity to connect with that that history and that past and everything else and uh and she just sort of like like normal she like she thinks about it she doesn't want to think about it she just sort of bottles that up and was like okay uh anyway back to what we were doing yeah she says like oh it's probably for the best i mean they knew i wanted to be a warrior anyway and not a princess um probably anyway yeah it's i mean of course shadow weaver was never gonna let anyone else near that thing right oh no yeah especially not the princess who would be naturally attuned to it because she would be much much better at connecting with it than she was um but even after that, uh, it, its connection with Etheria has been severed, and so there was never really any opportunity for her to uh, forge that. And she reali- after that message, she realizes, oh, wait, Entrapta has all of her notes inside Emily. But Emily tells her, that, oh, well, the, you, there's no real way for me to like put it on a flash drive or anything. You're going to have to disassemble me to get at the data. And Scorpia has to hide, I think, she has to go somewhere to think. Not hide, think. Yeah, yeah. She she's like, listen, I know a great place. I know a great place where we can hide. Think, not not hide. Don't worry. We're just thinking. It'll be fine. We're not hiding. And so they end up in Horror Hall. That's right, Horror Hall. I assume this is Scorpia's domain from the original uh, She-Ra cartoon. I'm sure there was some kind of playset. Um, but here is, it is the kind of last vestiges of the Scorpion Kingdom, and, uh, Scorpion just kind of shows Emily around and talks about all of the names she has made up for these figures, uh, these portraits she doesn't know and doesn't remember. Yeah, you know, uh, Captain Pointy, uh, the Point Master, uh, Madam Madame Pointessa. Pointessa, the Widow, <laughs> um, uh, but she does know one of them, and that is her her grandfather, the king. We should mention, I guess, that the the episode opens with a pan on Scorpia's desk, and we do see her her parents, and she does appear to have two moms. Um, and the fact that her grandfather was the king probably does support that. Yes, it's 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 pretty good. Uh, but the thing 
the thing with her grandfather, apparently, is that when Hordak ended up landing, he went to uh, to Hordak and was like, hey, listen, let's make an alliance. Let's let's uh, let's work together. And that seems to have, um, in Scorpio's own words, it not really worked out too great uh, for her kingdom because um, not only is uh, Horror Hall, of course, in shambles and uh, the kingdom entirely replaced by a giant, like, massive writhing machinery, but um, we don't see any other scorpions in the world. Yeah, there's no other scorpion people who ever show up in this show um, at all, which has some implications. There are some pretty heavy implications with this one, actually. Like, because, like, every single person in the murals of Horror Hall are scorpions. And very clearly, this was a kingdom of, at bare minimum, the royalty was all scorpions, probably more than that. And there are just none left. There are are none at all not a single one um so it seems like that alliance clearly hordak thought was uh at a point no longer useful um there is isn't there a shot in some earlier episode of a flashback where it shows a lot of the scorpion people tied up by hordak and his horde is there i don't actually remember that uh, I believe in uh, an earlier season one episode, I think it's Shadow Weaver talking about, or uh, someone talking about how they got the black car. Oh, it, I remember now. I do remember. It is in uh, Light Spinner when she's telling the council about how the Horde has a gemstone or a runestone now. We do see uh, the the Scorpion people tied up uh, and, and this sort of kingdom in flames as the Horde has the runestone. Yeah. So the implication to me is that uh, whatever story Scorpia was fed is completely not the truth. Yeah, no. Whatever story she was fed is not the truth. Though, that being said, I wouldn't... The way the way I interpret it, right, because, of course, the Horde, I mean, by her own admission, like, told her the history of everything. It seems to me that uh, the Horde invaded absolutely cleaned house uh with the scorpion kingdom who was not really expecting an alien invasion and they in exchange for like like as a as a surrender measure like in exchange for uh presumably like ending the the terror you know we're gonna give you the kingdom we're gonna give you the runestone and we'll give you our princess uh you know please stop and it appears that ordak probably didn't honor that bargain or at the bare minimum best case scenario exiled them to some like far off place i don't know exiled them to beast island maybe i don't know yeah it's the yeah like the the implications of horror hall are just uh there's a lot going on here. Yeah, and it's nothing that will ever be, you know, elaborated upon. It is all within the realm of implication. I could easily see some kind of uh, sequel material, a comic or something, where Scorpia goes to find them to see if they have been exiled. Um, 
But that's all we get for now. And, of course, the whole point of them hiding, uh, I mean thinking, uh, is that, you know, with Emily being the kind of, uh, the, the thing that holds all the data and the key to getting the data seemingly disassembling her, uh, she uh, obviously does not want Catra to know about this because Catra has already uh, made her very intentions about Emily very clear. Yes, and at first Scorpio is like, oh, well... I, I'm I'm Catra's friend, and if I tell her that I do not want you to be hurt in any way, she will listen to me because she is a good friend. And then Emily is like, "Well, let me just uh, let me just play back that uh, that scene where she betrayed you real quick." Yeah, Emily has some receipts, uh, so she plays back the part where she tased and trapped and threatened to uh, send Scorpia to Beast Island as well. And, you know, of course, Scorpia is trying to say, well, she was scared, she was threatened, when, you know, clearly she wasn't. She tased and trapped it in the back. So there was no threat. Her only, The only threat was not opening the portal like she wanted She wanted to happen. And eventually, faced with this, you know, outside omniscient observer, she's kind of forced to reckon with, oh, no, she definitely would absolutely tear you apart to get that data, huh? She definitely did betray me. Yes, though she she has she has the realization that she needed to have. She she just had her her moment where she woke up and she understood. Oh, this this isn't tenable, is it? So, they, she's like, listen, maybe it's too late for Katra, but I still have time. I can still be a good friend. And then we get a hard cut to Scorpia finding Katra in I think the same hallway that the tea scene actually happens in and she has this little sort of bent up circuit board and she's like okay I I, I you know I grabbed uh, the recordings and I was I was taking them I was taking them out and it seems like you know I just I kind of messed them up a little bit you know big pincers and whatnot and Katra loses it a little bit she completely like loses it on Scorpia. She just starts yelling at her, but oh, you're you're comp- of course. Why did I think you would be able to do any different? You're completely useless. I asked you to do what, the the most simple thing in the world, and you somehow managed to ruin it anyway. Why do I even keep you around? Um, and throughout this whole tirade, Scorpia just has this very kind of sad look on her face. You know, Catra's at, Catra asks, "What's up? Like, what is it?" And she just says. You're a bad friend, and turns around and walks away. You're a bad friend. This, like, literally, it is, it's such a line. Like, it is, deli- like, the the weight of it is so much coming from Scorpia, who's like, like, that, like, that is, that's a really huge thing for someone like Scorpia to say to you. And Katra knows this because Scorpia walks away, and Katra is just kind of shattered like her her blood ran cold at that one she's completely frozen yeah like give put any other character here you could have like lonnie tell catcher you're a terrible person or adora tell her like why are you you're a bad friend and she would shrug it off you're like whatever scorpia has never been anything but effusively like praiseful of catra she loves catra she loves hanging around catra she's always telling catra how smart and brilliant and hot she is so this is very much a turn catra never expected 
yeah, Scorpia is always loyal. Scorpia will always be there no matter how much you kick her around. And so this uh, really, really throws her. She just, like, freezes and stares off into space after she does it. She doesn't even say anything. No, she doesn't even say anything. She is just... She she has she has no words for it because she knows it's true. Yeah, like like it's like it's true. She like it cuts so deep because what do you say to that? Like yeah, yeah, I am I am a bad friend. Um, but she 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 takes a moment. You know, it's we get like a transition. Obviously, she probably stood in that spot for like fifteen minutes just thinking, but then she turns around, she smooths the hair back, uh-huh. sort of composes herself. And walks into the room with Hordak and and lies. Again, she lies. She lies again. She's like, there was nothing. She took all the recordings with her. And and Hordak starts to have a temper tantrum, but she's like, get over it. Yeah. This is this is another bit where she's just totally supplants Hordak. So Katra is um she basically just has a mental breakdown in Hordak's general direction for a minute and 30 seconds. Yeah. She starts projecting hard. Like she is just ranting about how you don't need people who d- betray you and leave you. They don't matter. All that matters is winning. All if we win, everything will be fine. Just forget her. Um, and clearly she's not talking about Entrapta or even necessarily Scorpia. No, yeah, she's she's talking about uh, she's talking about herself, and she's talking about Adora, and you know she's talking about Scorpion and Trapta too. But like, it is just she she's like she's like, listen, it'll all have been worth it. We don't need anyone. Everyone will look at us when we've done this, and they'll finally understand, and they'll respect us, and we'll be we'll be the ones on top, and no one will ever hurt us ever again. And Hordak is like, yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, do you have a horror yeah to work out there? there's one where she seems to realize that she has said way too much and hordak just throughout this whole thing just like what is he he seems mostly nonplussed um but then he finds a piece of first one's tech in this in this pile of scrap and he's like all right i know exactly what to do the plan is gonna move forward we're gonna do it um yeah catra's fine she's really fine she's She's really fine. She's not having any uh, issues. She's she's gonna be great. But uh, yeah, Hordak is like, all right, we'll be ready by tomorrow. You know, uh, you can give the order. And she's like, oh hell yes, it's time to win the war. It'll go great. Uh, Scorpia goes back to Horror Hall, and of course, the fake out that oh, did she disassemble Emily? No, she didn't. Of course not. Yeah, of course she didn't. Why would she do? Like, yeah, no. It's it's as far as fake outs go, it's not exactly convincing. No, uh, Emily's hiding there, and and you know, Scorpia's like, I I I bought her some time. I just handed her like a, a piece of garbage I found on the floor, basically. You know, she said, well, it's it's too late for Catra, but I can still help Entrapta. And so she and Emily just set off on a Super Pal duo road trip. Yeah, she puts on her little backpack and they kind of walk off into the sunset together. And uh, and that's that's where our episode ends. This was a this was a mm, dense one. Mm-hmm. A lot goes on. Uh, we will be talking more about scorpia and hordak and katra in the spoiler zone but first we've got a couple of questions we do indeed have a few 
questions. I guess I'll start over on Twitter. Um, someone asked a question. Yeah, Amelia Griffin uh, on Twitter asked a question that, that, did, that inspired some some discussion in our mentions. Um, I won't read all of the replies, but uh, the question uh, initially was, any thoughts on Catra still just trying to protect Scorpia by telling Hordak that the files got damaged slash entrapped and took them with her as opposed to selling Scorpia out? This episode uh, wrecked me. Um, and there were some people who are uh, some people who were like, well, I don't know if that's necessarily true. Maybe it was just Catra protecting herself or whatever. But what do you think? I, I don't know. It's like, so I don't think this was necessarily Catra trying to protect Scorpia. Scorpio, but I don't know. I could I could see where like maybe no. Okay, so here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I don't think this is her protecting Scorpia because I think at this point, after Scorpia says you're a bad friend, I think she has completely cut Scorpia out. She she has decided that Scorpia is yet another one of her enemies um and and one of the people who is like well i guess not necessarily an enemy but like she's no longer like somebody who is in her uh very rocky sort of uh circle of trust well i guess not trust but you know what i mean circle of ally (sighs) circle of i want you to be nice to me but i'm not going to be nice to you circle of people she can tell what to do Yes, yes. Circle of people she expects to be loyal to her. Um, but in in this in that scene, that's really I think her trying to avoid um uh, admitting to any level of like perceived failure. Like she doesn't want Hordak to be like, Oh, you you didn't get the thing I asked, you failed me. Like she is she she's feeling like a failure in her relationship with Scorpia, she is not about to take Hordak calling her a failure right now. So, of course, she's going to lie and prevent that from happening and be like, actually, Hordak, you're the failure because you're relying on a traitor to, to help you and you could just be doing this all yourself. Pull yourself up by those bootstraps, man. Yeah, I don't know if that. Yeah, I think that is definitely what this was all motivated by. I don't know if any of it is like protectiveness of Scorpia. I don't know if she had any real reason to believe that Scorpia would even face any consequences, I guess. I guess she would probably, but I don't know if she was really caring about that at the moment. Yeah, I don't really think that played like a large part. Like, definitely, like on a, on like probably a subconscious level, maybe, but like definitely not in any overt capacity. Uh, for sure. Got another one on Twitter here from uh, at Frank Entrapta on Twitter. When Scorpia tries to think like Entrapta, she mentions Hordak in her list of things Entrapta would think about. Do you think Entrapta talked to Scorpia about uh, her friendship with Hordak, or did she just pick up on it? I feel like Entrapta talks uh, talked a lot about her favorite new lab partner, and also they just hung out all the time. I think definitely, yeah. She would have. She would have like talked about her her cool new lab partner she would have like um i think for sure been very like like open about the fact that she was like friends with him and and stuff like that so i think i don't know necessarily that entrapta like like talked about it because she's not really the type who's gonna like start to like talk about her interpersonal relationships because she just doesn't think about that kind of stuff so much but like 
for sure i think that you know she um like scorpia like would have picked up on that and also just like having been around in trapta she probably talked about hordak like a lot because of just sort of the nature of uh her work and her friendship with hordak kind of being one in the same yeah like scorpia could pick up on that easily enough like Entrapta has a few topics she really likes to talk about. She likes to hyperfixate on. I'm sure eventually Hordak became one of those. Um, that'll do it for Twitter. Um, got a couple of things on the curious cat here. There's one question that's not going to come up for another two episodes, so I'll keep that one in there. Um, this one from Anonymous says an idle question, but you made a Star Trek reference in an episode that had Light Hope in a significant role. So, would you ship Light Hope and Vic Fontaine? Because I kind of do now. God, um, I... Who, for those of us who don't know, like I didn't, uh, who is Vic Fontaine? Uh, if I remember correctly, and I might be wrong here because it, it literally has been years since I watched any, uh, like, TNG, but uh, if I remember correctly, Vic Fontaine is like, um, like, uh, a construct in the Enterprise's holodeck who, like, gets sentient. And there's, like, a whole episode about it. And then eventually, like, Picard is like, okay, well, you can live in the holodeck and, like, this, you know, you, this is, like, your house and whatever. Um, and then, like, not that long after the Enterprise explodes and nobody brings up the fact that that guy is for sure dead. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine, but uh, but uh, I don't think I ship Light Hope and Vic Fontaine. I I think I think uh, uh, Light Hope and Mara is uh, is the is the vessel I'm on here. Yeah, yeah, it is a funny comparison though. Um, it's, for it's pretty a few good. Reasons. And now we got a big one here from Nixconia on Curious Cats. Um. They they say, I know that you're currently reviewing all of season four, but there's something I want to talk about that happened at the end of season three. In Moment of Truth, uh, the goat lady was there hiding behind the corner when Catcher was being tortured by Shadow Weaver. And that makes me wonder how much of the conversation she heard, and if she heard most of it, she would probably get some idea like that Shadow Weaver was like an abusive mom to Catra. Maybe that's why the goat lady didn't really react that much when Catra stunned and trapped her, because she probably... Uh, like an era, like uh, oh yeah, boss's uh, brain has literally been sent into survival mode. Being that the goat lady and her lizard friend uh, came from the Crimson Waste, which is a much worse place than the Horde. Mm, I'll disagree with that. Yeah. Uh, the 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 Crimson Waste might have a bunch of uh, nightmarish like animals, but it's got a cool bar. That's true. Um, and would probably recognize when someone is in a survival mode headspace because in the Crimson Waste, everyone is in that headspace constantly anyway. So maybe she would sympathize with Catra because of it, if only a little bit. And maybe see her differently as someone who is misunderstood but doesn't try to reach out uh, to her in Season 4 because she doesn't want her want to be in her way. I don't know. It's just an interesting thing to think about because it makes sense. Uh, at least it does to me. What are your thoughts on this uh, opinion I have? And do you think that after the war, uh, the Goat Lady and Catra would be friends at all? Because Catra didn't do anything particularly cruel to either of the two except intimidated them and called the goat lady Kyle, but that's about it. And they weren't in it for the money, and they did follow her all the way from the Crimson Waste when they didn't have to. 
so this is a pretty dense one. So this is a dense one about a very minor character, which I always like. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. Um, a character who does not have a name, I don't think. No, yeah, she just straight up doesn't have a name. But but yeah, no, a lot of a lot of analysis here. So, um, so first, uh, they did they they followed her all the way from a crimson waste. Uh, I think mostly uh, because like they. Um, it wasn't just for the money as much as like i think they have a lot of respect for katra being like the strongest or whatever and also like uh the horde was moving into the crimson waste at that point anyway they might as well pick the winning side which is kind of like what uh the goat lady and the and the frog lady kind of want to do um but as as far as like would she like get that shadow weaver was like an abusive parent i i don't know that i would go that far i think that like this is one of those situations where you know she would have seen like, like she she saw this happening and she was like oh uh boss these guys are way too powerful we need to go we need to go we need to we need to go like because you know, she, she doesn't have, like, the background to necessarily understand that they have that level of history. Like, a little bit comes up in that kind of confrontation, but I don't necessarily know that enough does for the, for the goat lady to kind of make those kind of, uh, those kind of assumptions. Yeah, and to me, the goat lady doesn't really seem like she has a lot that would be able to pick up on stuff like that. She doesn't seem like the most emotionally intelligent thug around. We don't see her again. I think we we last saw her in um, the, the second episode of this season where they're in the Crimson Waste. But I think after that, both her and the lizard lady are, are, are vanished from the show. Yeah, I don't know that they come back. It's maybe maybe towards the end. I don't really know. But yeah, I think this is that's that's like the last we see of them. Um, the other thing, the other thing is like, I don't know, like, uh, I, I think that she did actually react like a pretty decent amount when, when Entrapta was getting like tased and, and, you know, bagged and sent off to, uh, to Beast Island. She seemed pretty scared. She seemed pretty intimidated. I think like she was not, she was not having an enormously good time in that scene. I, I don't think this was like a, oh yeah, no, I get why you're doing this moment. It's more of like a, like a, you know, like, oh I'm going to shut up and be quiet and go over here in the corner where she's not going to tase me too. Yeah, like, uh, she, did, she didn't know about any of these dynamics. I don't think she really knew who Entrapta was. So all of this is just like, oh, Catra, like, shocked this lady and wants me to put her in a shuttle to someplace called Beast Island? You know what? Sure. I saw what she threatened to do with Scorpia, and she seemed to really like that lady. So I'm just going to do what I say and keep my head down. Yeah, I'm just gonna keep my head down. I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow orders, and I'm gonna hope that she doesn't turn on me next. And that's sort of the the headspace I feel like uh, the goat and the lizard ladies were were kind of in 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 that situation. But uh, but yeah, that'll do it for questions uh, for this week. Um, as always, you know you can find us on Twitter at Podcast to Power. Our curious cat is linked there. If you want to send us questions on the episode, we've got an email, potapower at gmail.com. It's get the document for the season four email episode is getting quite long. 
So I would ask to keep some emails shorter from now on because we've all, we're already at seven pages. Oh yeah, no, we're we we're really getting we're really getting through uh, through the, uh, the the paper here. So so yeah, try try and keep a little bit more condensed if you can. But like uh, but but please do send in send in questions because because uh, it's gonna be. That's going to be quite quite a quite an email roundup. Season four is a dense one, and we've got uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about. Yeah, if you're sending in questions for a specific episode, either do it through uh, Twitter or Curious Cat or market uh, as such. You know, and you know, one or two questions. Like, you know, keep it keep it shorter than the the more long form discussion oriented ones that we like for the uh, for the the email episode. But yeah, we're we're a little bit uh we're we're not quite halfway through the season we're already we already got that many emails so just trying to keep that episode from being less than uh four hours long uh yeah yeah um but uh before we get to the uh the spoiler zone we also have one last little bit of housekeeping to do and that is to remind everyone that we in fact have a patreon we do have a patreon patreon.com slash pod of power where you can find all sorts of bonus content such as our two currently running uh patreon side podcasts the kipo and owl cast where we watch kipo and the age of wonder beasts and the owl house respectively uh alternating every two weeks Yes, those are pretty good. We also, once a month, we do an episode of the 80s uh, She-Ra cartoon uh, called that She-Riffs, and uh, we'll kind of just roll through the episode with some some sort of riff-style commentary on top. It's a pretty fun time. Uh, we also do uh, something called The Watchtower, which is sort of a uh, aggregation of a bunch of fan content, uh, that uh, that we do monthly, usually like last week in the month, uh, that comes out, and uh, this month's theme is Glimadora. That's right. I am working on compiling some fan art for that. By the time you hear this episode, we've already recorded it, but that should be a fun one. And we've got one more stretch goal that we're that we're working towards, and it is a uh, if we get seventy five dollars a month. We will do a uh, actual play one-shot campaign of For the Honor, the Shira-inspired Firebrands hack. Yes, that'll be really fun. Both of us are like big TTRPG nerds. We're we're pretty excited to uh, to crack into that one. So uh, you know, if you want to toss us a couple bucks, you know, it gets us a little bit closer to that. And incidentally if you do donate uh to the three dollar force captain level you also get shout outs in every episode yep so thank you to our force captains ashley kyra williams mabel mabel ryan coon jennifer jones jess pumphrey leon lay sean montgomery jack onoro olivia andres lozano Brittany ray michael steinert tara stark TCO, Brennan Fitzgerald, Tobu, Emma Grossman, Robert Harris, and Danielle DuPont. Thank you. Thank you very much for your continued support. It means the world to us. And uh, and thank you for uh, for enjoying everything. We're, we're happy to happy to provide all of this this fun content for you. Oh, and uh, I should also say, I should also plug that I am on another podcast now. Um, it's called Disney Minus. You can find it over at Disney Minus Pod. 
It's one where they just talk about stuff that is on Disney+. Plus. Most of their episodes have been about bad films, it seems, because the first episode I'm on is on Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Oh, boy. Uh. And the next one I'm on, uh, upcoming, is Artemis Fowl. Oh. 2020 film. Oh, no. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I got. if you want to hear me get really, really mad about that movie, uh, check that out uh, whenever that releases. Yeah. Be careful, though. Mulch Diggums is in that movie. Oh, Lord, he is. That, that's a, And that right there is a certified cognito hazard. It is. I will never scrub it from my brain. Um, but, you know, uh, with that, we will be transitioning over into the spoiler zone. So if you are a first-time watcher uh, who is avoiding all that stuff, thank you, and we'll see you uh, next week. But if you're accompanying us, we'll see you uh, on the other side here. We got a few things to talk about here. We got two things, and they're all kind of related and tangled together. Yes. Um, so the the first thing here is Katra and Hordak. They've got some similarities, one might say. I've talked in the past, we have probably, about how... Uh, this season is just absolutely full of foils for Catra. Glimmer is a foil for Catra. Double Trouble is a foil for Catra. And here we also have Hordak as a foil for Catra. Because it turns out they are very similar. And thus the friction that they create is terrible for both of them. Oh yes. So like the thing is, you know, obviously Catra is trying to supplant and successfully is supplanting Hordak as the leader of the Horde. She is new Hordak. But of course, she's also emulating him. She is she is subconsciously kind of becoming him in a lot of ways. And this is this is leading to some some issues, um not the least of which being that she is like actively relating to the man um she is projecting onto him but just as much she is sort of picturing herself as one in the same uh with him which is uh i mean i'm sure that's healthy yeah and for his part hordak doesn't seem to be doing the same thing but he often does just kind of stumble into talking about a lot of his own emotional issues in a way that is very similar to what Catra is going through. Basically any time Horde Prime comes up in conversation. Horde Prime or Entrapta. Or Entrapta, yeah. Anytime he is like raging against Entrapta as a traitor. You know, that's double, right? So clearly Catra is racked with guilt. We know this. Um sort of the underlying thing. That under underneath all of this, you know, Hordak emulating veneer, she is just completely falling apart. We know she's not sleeping because of all of the dreams, I'm sure. Like, I am sure that that is not an uncommon occurrence, that episode where she's woken up by those, like, the, that nightmare about the portal. 
That's every night. That is every night. She has not been sleeping very well, and while a lot of that is obviously because she's running herself ragged, I imagine a lot of it is because, yeah, she's probably not getting a good night's sleep. And every time Entrapta comes up, she always has to try and reinforce to Hordak that she's a traitor, because she knows, oh god, what if he finds out? What if he finds out that I, like, left her for dead? I, I basically sent her off to die for, like trying to tell him not to open the portal yeah because like the thing is her position is so precarious and it could be undone at any moment by this you know being revealed because just as much as she is the unofficial leader of the horde she is only the de facto leader the de jure leader is still hordak and he still pulls the weight to end her at any time but uh beyond just that uh the issue is that Hordak is, at this point, the only person left who can stand to be around her. Yeah. And not only does she lose her job and maybe die, you know, who's to say, if he finds out, but she also loses the only, like, human connection she has left. And she's not willing to let that happen. Because even though they're not exactly friendly, barely even cordial to each other half the time, there's that unspoken relatability, that that like connection that they have, their insecurities kind of wrapping around each other like constrictors, you know, they're choking each other to death with under the weight of their own insecurities and, and issues and uh they can't actually stop themselves uh from doing it they are too self-destructive to do anything else yeah and they are both complete trying to convince themselves that winning will get them what they want and i mean we see the end result of what winning is right like hordak gets reabsorbed into horde prime's hive and and all of the things that made him hordak are completely erased and katra is left alone on this like clinical empty spaceship dealing with someone who is far beyond her magnitude of being able to like wrap around her finger like there is no quarter with horde prime no yeah this horde prime is like he doesn't have a hundred thousand layers of insecurity in him he's he's a very stable man and he is a man with a plan and he is in charge. He is as in charge as it is possible to be. And uh, he's not about to let some dinky, like, 20-something walk in and try and supplant him. Like, are you kidding me? This is like, like, what? Like, no, of course not. That's not how this works. But, you know, it, as it turns out, um, when when her and Hordak are both like, it'll all be worth it, trust me, it, it it's gonna be great. It turns out they're um they're not right. No, they're very wrong. And we saw Hordak doubting that train of thought already with Entrapta, where he like starts to think, oh yeah, I'll open the portal and Horde Prime will come through. And, and then he stops and thinks, well, do I want that? Like, do I actually want that? Yes, but unfortunately, uh, without other people around, Katra is more than willing to make him shut down those thoughts even harder than he ever has before and you know continuing on with a bit of their future only you know not to talk too much about it because obviously it's the subject of later episodes even hordak starts to like 
put her back like he starts to take the field once he has that weapon and he's like well we don't both need to be on the field catra you can leave all this to me you can you can stay back and like coordinate stuff from the fright zone and i think that is kind of the final straw uh after she finds scorpia's note that is when she like is that is when she is alone completely like there is nothing left yes that that is when there's nothing left but we will we'll get to that one very shortly here that's that's two episodes away so we'll we'll be we'll be digging into that when we when we get there her her absolute bottom that her her complete like like rock bottom situation um but before we get to that let's talk a little bit about scorpia and catra and and sort of their arc because this episode i feel like is sort of this is the this is the climax of their arc this is this is like this is the peak of it this is where everything the themes sort of crystallize and we get sort of the the finality of it and we don't really see like Catra and Scorpio interact all that much after this. There's there's a few bits uh, and bobs here and there, uh, usually mostly in season five, but like mostly this is the end of where they're at in in their interpersonal lives. Yes, um, both of their arcs continue on, and I think Ka- Scorpio does factor into Catra's future arc indirectly. But um, this this is where they end here. This is this this is the point where they leave, where their arcs separate, and it's it's a pretty heavy ending for them. It's a very heavy ending, but I think it's the one that they sort of were on a trajectory for, like that moment in the Crimson Waste where Katra made that decision to go back to the Horde, put them on a trajectory for this. Like there was, there was, there was two paths diverging in the woods and Katra picked, of course, the wrong one because she always has to pick the wrong one. And we, we end up here. The, the culmination of all of her mistakes and all of her horrible decisions where she has hurt the people she loves so much and so consistently that even somebody who is like, somebody somebody who is like incapable of saying no said no to her yeah like you pushed scorpia far enough that she just left and that is hard to do and for scorpia's part all of the stuff with catcher finally makes you realize that yeah loyalty is great but it's only good if the person you're loyal to cares about you like otherwise what's the point why would you be loyal to someone who just treats you like trash and we'll just as soon get rid of you. It's true. That's what the cadets realize. So the cadets realize that's what well, that's what Scorpia had to realize too. It's like this is this is like like Catra's entire arc in the show has been building up to this moment. Like it's building up obviously to her real rock bottom moment as well, but I feel like maybe even more than that, this this bit, you're a bad friend in particular, is just such a like crystallization of all of her decisions kind of coming together and finally really biting her uh, in the end. You know, she's she's getting her just desserts now. She is like she is reaping what she sowed. And Scorpia is not gonna be around anymore to uh, to constantly 
be her emotional punching bag to just take it over and over and over again and let this girl unload into her you know she she doesn't deserve that she she's worth more than that and for Catra's part this moment is also extremely important because it was very easy for her before this to kind of rationalize everyone leaving her as as she is the victim of that it's their fault they're in the wrong but i think you're a bad friend just started rattling around in her head and never stopped because this is this is the one that she can't square away this is the one that she can't like just put scorpia in a compartment and say well she left because she was wrong um and that because she's already doubting and feeling guilt of all this stuff and that, that just starts to eat away at her and we see that in season five most clearly and of course double troubles uh sort of monologue at the end of this season but like th- these two things kind of coalesce into Katra realizing how horrible she's been over the over the course of the first half of season five after she's rescued, she 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 says to Adora, like, you guys can just drop me off on a planet somewhere. Like, I'm sure no one else wants to see me around. I, I know I wouldn't. And, like, a lot of her arc, or, there are a lot of moments in season five where she tries to apologize to Scorpia, who is, of course, at this point, like, mind-controlled and stuff. But Scorpia sticks around in her mind a lot. I think more than Catra does in Scorpia's mind, really. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is Katra hurts all of the people around her, but like, that's something that she carries with her. She's not, she tries her best to bury that, but like, she can't stop thinking about all of the things she's done wrong, and no matter how hard she tries. And, you know, the eventual like confrontation that she has to have with herself over that is like, it's, it's a lot. And yeah she's her and scorpia have a very a very interesting dynamic leading into uh leading into season five especially when when scorpia actually like saves her even when she's mind controlled i don't actually i don't think catcher was in that scene um that was perfuma and adora oh that's right okay catcher and remissa had that had that point uh escape but she does have the like the talk with Prashima afterwards where she's like, well, she missed on purpose. She heard me um, because she's a good friend. Yeah. And that sort of gets Catra thinking again. Exactly, exactly. So many things getting that girl thinking. There's a lot of things in season five that get her thinking about a lot of things. Yes. A little bit, a little bit late, but you know, she does, she does start thinking. She uses her brain for something other than 27th dimensional brain chest, like tactician moves. Um, there is one there is one other thing I kind of alluded to actually in the episode that like I wanted to like touch on here and that's like uh, I actually I forgot a lot of what actually is implied by horror hall here and like I don't know there's there's a lot of what Hordak personally has done in the show that's like very abstracted to the point that it's like not unreasonable as like you know this is kind of a it's ultimately like a kid's show this is all like boiled down stuff here where hordak being kind of um rendered a little more sympathetic and like given his own sort of character arc 
and and whatever you know that's it, it comes across completely fine but like with with some of the stuff that horror hall implies like a lot of that feels especially with with like the end of season five it feels a little bit less good actually it's tricky because there's we don't know anything and the characters like it's clear that the scorpion kingdom wasn't popular and therefore like no one of the generation of the original princess alliance really knows anything about that like they've been vilified basically i think uh in their own story here Scorpia is the way she is so she doesn't really think about that stuff and doesn't really question it yeah so there's so much left in the realm of implication uh, you're right it, it is kind of a a, a a burr in that stuff i want i do wonder if any of it will be expanded upon later because that seems like a big one yeah like i i do i do want to see them touch on it more later because like it's 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 one of those things where it's like one of I mean, one of the biggest criticisms that you see of of the show, I feel like the two the two biggest criticisms, uh, we've already talked about one, but one of the other ones is of course like Hordak getting like semi redeemed at the end of the show. And while I don't necessarily think that he gets like a full redemption arc, he definitely does get like he's he's given a lot of sympathy by the material and by the writing. And while I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, there's the situation with the Scorpion Kingdom in particular really casts that in a light that I think they they don't outright say what happened here. And this isn't this isn't like a Steven Universe situation, right? Not to continuously sort of compare the two here, but like this isn't like, oh, the gems actively committed a genocide in the text and now we're like we're have fine a human with, zoo. yeah and a human zoo and we're going to just be fine with the diamonds right like the diamonds actively committed genocide and actively held human beings in a zoo and then they like are just okay at the end or whatever because they're sad um so like the, the the show doesn't go that far like there's nothing like very explicitly outlined by the text but enough implication is there that like it starts to kind of encroach on the same territory and it's not that comfortable i don't think he killed them if i had to guess this is a kid's show they're exiled somewhere like on the other side of the planet that no one ever saw but the point stands it's the darth vader problem right so in the original trilogy darth vader has the moment at the end where he's redeemed and he's anakin skywalker right and he he chucks palpatine into a hole and that works in that series of movies um then there's the problem where revenge of the sith came along and had the scene where he murders a bunch of children yeah like they when darth vader is an abstracted bad guy who does bad things but not is not necessarily the one at fault for all of the biggest stuff he did not build the death star he didn't fire the laser other people did that he just stood around and looked evil when you bring in more specifics stuff like that becomes harder to square away yeah it's started that that is sort of the issue right like when you have when you have like a a a monstrous villain who's supposed to kind of have like a change of heart towards the end it really does break down once you once you start trying to reinforce that that monstrousness with like more specific stuff like that because then then it starts to go from you know this character had a change of heart 
to why is this guy like kind of being let off the hook so it's 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 a really really common problem in writing that involves characters like this and it's one of those things that's just like you'd think at some point people would learn to kind of avoid and they just really haven't yet (laughs) well at least that has the excuse of being a series of movies that was written like 30 years after the fact yeah this was this was a thing that they 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 just kind of glossed over yeah that's that is true i feel like a lot of people didn't think about the implications of how this would come across when they wrote this episode yeah like they didn't i I, it feels like one of those things where they just they didn't work through to the end of the math problem you know they 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 were they were doing long division but they only got about a quarter away down the page i think they really were thinking of the well they obviously the conclusion will be that they were banished but i don't know i don't know it's like it's we need we need someone to say that. <laughs> we kind of need someone to say that because, like, man, <laughs> only one scorpion left. There's only one scorpion left. That's that's got that's a loaded image there, my friend. Yeah, like it all could have been fixed if Scorpio had something. Like, oh well, he took he he sent them away somewhere, and I never learned where. Yeah, it's it's one of those things, but uh, but yeah, that's. Is one of the one of the bigger criticisms of the show, and I think uh, for pretty good reason. So that'll do it for Princess Scorpia. Next week is another great episode. We've got Mer Mysteries. Oh my god, yes, I love Mer Mysteries. Such a good episode. This is like this is to to harken back to a question we got a while ago. This is the episode I was talking about that has rain in it, and boy, it's got a lot of that. It's got a lot of rain. It's got a lot of great jokes and bits but also adora and glimmer are just completely self-destructing oh it's really good yeah it's like it's great there's so many moments coming up in season four where where like this and this up this next episode in episode eight where it is a generally light-hearted sort of fun episode and then adora and glimmer will just say some things in the middle of that really just knock you on your ass i'm specifically thinking about the conversation in episode eight. Oh yeah 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 exactly like it really really just sort of like oh everyone's having a fun time sledgehammer directly to the chest just knock the wind right out of your sails it's like it's the show's good at that it's they they do a pretty good job with that so until next week when we get to see seahawk do some squats uh i have been one of your hosts nero and i've been the other host jane and we'll see you on the other side of podcast spondos